and welcome to the Have A Crack podcast, the show that allows at least one person to rant and rave about everything going on in the beautiful game that is football. Today, we're going to be doing a deep dive, well, as deep as we possibly can, into Leeds United. And joining me for this podcast today is Leeds United supporter, Ed. His Royal Highness, Ed, if I might add. Ed, how are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for giving me my proper title. Yep, absolutely. Very happy to be here. <laughs> Long time listener, first time <laughs> contributor. Long time being the the three weeks this podcast has been live. So brilliant. I, I'm glad. I'm glad to finally get you on after all that time. Uh, <laughs> right. Nice um, Ed, you're a Leeds United supporter. I don't know I why. Uh, so, tell me, tell me about your love for Leeds. Where did it all begin, and, and why do you love them so much? That's a very good question, Luke. To be honest, I don't know why either. <laughs> I never set out to be a be a Leeds fan. I've come at it a very strange way, really. Because um, my, my dad's always supported them, so it comes from that. But um, he supported them back from the 70s when they were actually any good. But I actually, I didn't support them back when they were last good, around like the turn of the millennium when they were getting to Champions League semi-finals and things before it all went wrong. I wasn't interested in football back then. I was like just interested in my Game Boy and going out on my bike. So I've only come to support them since they've been like properly rubbish, like, I, I, which I think deserves a bit of recognition that like they really were dreadful when I started supporting them. I think it was back when they were in League One. And I sort of grudgingly said to my dad that maybe I could actually properly support them if they got promoted back to the championship, which then they did about back in 2010, I think it was, under Simon Grayson. So I've supported them since then. And at first it was almost a bit ironic, like, ha, 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 yeah, I support Leeds, you know, they're rubbish. But at some point I started properly supporting them. I'm not sure when, but before, before they got the last few seasons when they've actually been good again, at some point, I started to actually stop being ironic and I started actually really supporting them mm. and enjoying watching them. I have to admit, I do remember in, um, in secondary school uh, when we started talking uh, about football as, as men and not boys and we started talking about my love for Tottenham, <laughs> your love for Leeds. And I, I believe I bought you for your birthday one year, a, a Leeds United T-shirt. Um, did, yes. And I, I hope you're still wearing that to this day um, oh, I've got it on right now <laughs> fantastic <laughs> um, drunk to like half the size but I squeeze in I mean to be honest um, the whole my dad supported them so 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 it's only making sense that I do kind of goes over to me as well my dad supports Tottenham so 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 I do um, and uh, I, I suppose that's good in a way some fatherly son football bonding um, so, if we go into Leeds, um, Leeds' recent history, because one of the more um, iconic owners, I probably, probably is the iconic is probably the right descriptive word to use for him, Massimo Cellino, is that how you said his name? Cellino, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I seem to recall you absolutely loving life um, <laughs> under, his, under his regime. So, can you tell me some of the weird and crazy things you know your former owner uh, did for the club. I seem to recall something about a goalkeeper needing to score more goals, but you might have a few more examples. I think what you're thinking of is that Paddy Kenny, who was our keeper for a while, Chilino sold him because his birthday was on the 17th of a month 
and he had a superstition about the number 17. So he removed it from all the seats and he sold any player like Kenny who had his birthday on that day. That, which is not the maddest thing he did, to be fair. That was actually probably <laughs> one of the more reasonable things. Yeah, so I think that's probably, to be fair, that's probably when I started really liking Leeds. It's when Chilino became owner. Not because he was any good, but I think, I think at first it was probably a little bit because I was like, oh, this is quite exciting. Here's a new owner who might actually reinvigorate the club. And then very quickly it became clear that wasn't going to be the case. But there were so many crazy things happening that you couldn't help but get sucked in. So I think uh, we're, to set the scene, so Leeds were already like dreadful before Chilino turned up. Um, they were already, they, they'd already been best part of a decade out of the Premier League because they'd gone into like financial meltdown. They were owned first by Ken Bates and then by a group called Gulf Finance House who were like some Saudi firm but were like the only company in all of the Saudi Arabia about any money. So the, the club was like, like the players weren't being paid properly. No one knew who the real owner was. It was some dodgy tax stealing. It was, they'd sold the stadium. So it was already in the right state. And then Gelino came in. Um, the first, first it was announced he bought the club. Brian McDermott was the manager at the time. First thing that, he yeah. did was sack. Yeah. So the first thing he did was sack McDermott. Then the old owner said, no, we haven't, you can't do that because we haven't agreed to sell the club to you yet. So then McDermott was rehired. Then Cellino did eventually buy it and then sacked him again. Um, I think he failed. I think he's the only person to fail the Football League's fit and proper owners test because he had a, he had a criminal conviction on a yacht he hadn't paid tax on in Italy. So having properly bought the club, he then wasn't allowed to be the permanent owner because he failed this test. So then it was all some dodgy deal when he was doing it for his son and stuff. And then it went to court and it became incredibly confusing. And like, he just made mad decisions. He hadn't hired David Hockaday as manager who had been like the coach of Forest Green Rovers in like the blue Northern Square Division Two, whatever it was, outside the Football League. And then he sacked him after six games. I think he got for about eight or nine managers during like the four years he was owner. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was like pretty crazy times. Um, That's a worse managerial record than Watford. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. But at least Watford, like when they sack managers, like until last season, it tended to go quite well for them. Like it was just like, just madness. I, I think that I, I can't remember the name of the guy, but the guy he hired after Hockaday, Malikic, I think he hired him because he liked his suit. I remember him saying that, and then he sacked <laughs> him after another four or five games. So <laughs> must have not turned up to training in the suit or something one day. And yeah, like, who's this yeah. guy? <laughs> yeah, so he was an interesting man. It's fair to say. Um, but he did the one thing he did do actually was, even though he was uncontroversially terrible, um, he did buy the Leeds Stadium back, which was something. I think you could, I was thinking about. I was thinking the one thing you could probably give him credit for is that he was he said he was going to bring Leeds back to the Premier League, and he completely failed to do so. But he did just about get them to a point where then he was able to get a current owner, uh, Andre Redrizani. I think that's how you pronounce it. 
again, who's another Italian businessman, but one who isn't quite as crazy. And he bought the club off Gelino, and obviously since he's come in, they've been much better run. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, in hindsight as crazy as he was, he did do nice things like buy back the lead stadium and effectively pointed leads in the right direction for their new owner. Right. And uh, from yeah, what I can tell, you know, from what I've seen on sky sports news and, and all that kind of stuff, your new owner. Yeah, you, all right, lad, <laughs> you know, he's, he's supporting yeah. the manager. He's, he's standing by him. I mean, he's an interesting manager to get behind, but we'll, we'll get past that in a second. Um, and um, I, I, I saw him um, on Sky Sports News on transfer deadline day. He had nothing but but good things to say about Leeds in general, really. So um, having a good yeah. owner um, is definitely the way forward. Um, and I'm glad Leeds learned that lesson <laughs> before they oh, came boy. back to the Premier League. Otherwise, they would be definitely. going right back down. Yeah, definitely learned it the hard way. I think it's fair to say. So um, let's fast forward to, 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 to the now. Let's put some many many years of hurt uh b- behind us um what have you made to Leeds um start back in the premier league oh it's been really good i think i think i had no idea what to expect to be fair from them going into it because you just thought it could be you know obviously they ended last season really well in the end that you quite comfortably got promotion but you just thought how are they going to be and how is like the style they play under Bielsa, this very attacking style, very high press. Is that going to work out? Like you saw with Norwich last season, who, you know, also were quite an attacking team, how they just got completely, came completely undone. And obviously that might happen, but um, I think it's been at least almost as good as a start as you could hope for, certainly much better than I was fearing it might be. I mean, the first couple of games obviously were just mental, like so two, four threes in a row. Uh, the game against Liverpool was, I mean, we lost, but we lost in like the best way possible. Mm. It was just crazy. And then the game against Fulham was obviously, it was brilliant to get the win. And that was a game where you really had to win that. But it was also just madness, like from 4-1 up <laughs> to then almost, well, almost. But to be fair, actually, I say that, to be fair, you know, we managed to just about hold on to the three goal lead unlike some other teams this season so maybe it's not so bad compared to some of those results <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah uh, but actually yeah i had to get that little dig in yeah yeah that's like. fine i'm sure george is laughing yeah. at this right now yeah. <laughs> um yeah but, but what you thought of those two, like this is really entertaining but it's like four we can't win every game for or lose every game four three like that isn't sustainable but actually with that in mind, the last couple of results have been a lot more promising. So the one nil against Sheffield United away, really good win because I thought oh, Sheffield State seemed just like such the sort of team to beat Leeds. Mm. So that was really impressive. And actually, Bamford scoring, which you didn't really see happening, um, given that while he he scored a decent number of goals last season, like his conversion rate wasn't great. So the fact. And everyone thought Rodrigo was brought in as, as the upgrade on him. But instead, it's quite a Bielsa way. Instead, he's like fitted him in, playing behind him in midfield. And actually, Bamford's scoring. We scored three goals so far. He's definitely got something to prove, hasn't he, Bamford? Every time he comes yeah. to the Premier League, everyone asks if he can do it. And then he can't. So he goes back to the Championship. Yeah. does really well. People rave about him. He then doesn't do it in the Premier League again. And it, the, the cycle begins again. But it looks like he's finally... Finally going to break that duct if Leeds continue to do well, of course. Hopefully, hopefully. 
So yeah. So anyway, it's been a really good start, and obviously the Man City draw, really good result. Um, I was going to say, obviously the the latest result, the loss to Wolves, was a little bit of a like, little bit probably you know return to reality. Mm. We got too carried away, but even that, like it, it was quite. I didn't actually watch the game, but like obviously you know highlight and read about it afterwards. Um, it, we obviously dominated the first half, so it was still a pretty. It was one of those ones where it sounds like it could have gone either way. So it was not a disastrous result against you know the seventh best team in the country over the last couple of years. I mean, I, I labelled the match between Leeds and Wolves last year's entertainers versus this year's entertainers. And ironically, yeah. the match itself wasn't actually that entertaining, I thought, when I was watching it. So yeah. I, I, kind of, there, uh, I did a little bit, but hopefully I'll stop labelling them as that and, and they can return to a lovely 4-3. I believe you're actually even playing tonight, aren't you? It's uh, you've uh, Villa. Villa in a, even an hour or so yep. of recording this podcast. Yeah. So, you know, all the things we're going to say about Leeds that are really, really good could be completely undone in the next two hours so we'll see. yep yep <laughs> <laughs> they, and it's so that villa one like i was thinking but at the beginning of the season i looked at like their first seven games you would have said villa after the home game against fulham probably the second easiest like not easy but the next one where you back us to probably get some points because five the one after that were against leicester so five of our first seven have been against like top 10 sides mm. Um, but right now it looks like maybe our most difficult game yet, the form Villa in. And the way they obviously tore Liverpool apart with Liverpool like exploiting Liverpool's pressing high line, which leads to, if anything, even more. It mm. could it could be a bit uh yeah, it's gonna be an interesting, an interesting one that I think. Yeah, I mean I I live my, my feelings for Liverpool are, are um are ones of jealousy and rage but I do have to admit I, I did feel sorry for them a little bit by the end of that game uh, against Villa they have you're absolutely right started an absolute banger of a season for them and if it continues they will probably uh, be in with a shout of maybe even a Europa League spot I think I don't think they'll get top four or anything but uh, yeah I think their right. form has been great um Speaking of Aston Villa, when I was doing some research um, into the history of Leeds and some things that have stood out in recent memory, apparently last time, or maybe the time before, you guys played each other, Leeds went 1-0 up, but you went 1-0 up when an Aston Villa was a player was down injured, and Bielsa for na 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 that ain't right, let them score. So from the kickoff, the Villa players just walked past everybody, but apparently your centre-back didn't agree with that, and he decided to take them on alone. But it didn't matter. Villa just yep. equalised straight away, and I believe you ended up losing that game in the end um, off the back of it. But Bielsa has come out recently and said, I'll do it again, because it was the sportsman. And I respect that. I, yeah. I really do. Yeah. But at the same time, I do kind of see where the centre-back was coming from in terms of... He got sold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it what to be fair set the context a little so that is Bielsa all over that is the sort of crazy thing he does it it did end in a draw actually it ended one all I believe one all okay. um but also we'd oh it was like the last game before the playoffs or the last one and we'd already secured a playoff spot but screwed up um getting a, an automatic spot so it was a you wonder would it have gone the same if that had been like the decider for us to like clinch automatic promotion to be honest being Bielsa maybe yeah mm-hmm. um <laughs> but yeah but that is that does sort of sum up what it's like yeah I think he won like FIFA awarded him like the fair play award of the year or something mm. which then Frank Lampard made a big fuss about 
isn't he the event i was gonna say isn't he the manager that um arranged for spies to go to other people's training grounds yeah, i think it's, yeah, yeah. it's okay Fair no, that was also him yeah <laughs> well an eventful season <laughs> i mean that does i suppose lead me on to the next question which is more about the manager himself um so there's two main points i do want to bring up about it actually the first one um is this whole spygate thing or whatever he went through if you can talk us through that a bit more but also um He's only on one-year rolling contracts, isn't he? Do you, do you know why that is? I haven't actually found any reason for that. Is it just that he might just decide to go to a better club or just give up? What's the reason? I think I think there's two reasons. I think one is like the boring reason is just financially. I think I think he's on eight million a year, so like there's a bit of a thing of like last season if Leeds hadn't gone up, I, I don't think they could have afforded to keep Bielsa. Mm-hmm. he's not on that salary that's like the boring reason but the other reason is just because i think he's like he can't commit to more than one year at a time because his his whole approach is so intense and so demanding that it's like trying to deal with more a year of bielsa at the club is like almost impossible to do and he can't think like beyond that i uh, i heard that after they got promoted earlier this year and they were trying to get him to sign a new contract obviously um, and there were sort of vague links, like at one point he even said Messi wanted him at Barcelona. I don't think that was really ever true, but you know, there were these rumours coming out. But apparently they kept, the owners kept trying to negotiate with him, but like he refused to negotiate his contract because he was like worried about the contracts for like the under 16s and stuff, like the young talents he thought. And he like was like, no, we have to agree this new contract for this like 17 year old before I'll think about my contract. And I don't think that was like a, like a, a negotiation like tactic i think that was just like the way he thinks mm. like just like lives and breathes football yeah the the 17 year old kid's contract is more important than the 65 yeah. or 75 i don't even know how old he is um, um <laughs> managers you know um i mean i was having that conversation with george on the west ham podcast because we were talking about david moyes who replaces him and uh, bielsa's name came up and george said um west ham he doesn't think west ham could attract a manager like him so that must be a a nice feather in his cap but mm. i i said that he would probably make a dangerous combination for city if pep decides to move on if you imagine bielsa's mm. philosophy combined with the likes of de bruyne and aguero um you know they could potentially win every game bloody six six two or something <laughs> Well, that's interesting. I think that's like a thing that gets sort of because he's never really managed at a properly big club. I mean, obviously, Leeds is the biggest club in the oh, world, course, but like, you know, financially, like, Leeds probably is actually in terms of the money anyway they've got available. It probably is the wealthiest club he's managed, but he always manages a club like he did a lot of South America, and then in Europe, it's been like Athletic Bilbao and Marseille and Lille. So they've always been these sort of, you know, not small clubs, but at least like second string if not sort of you know and he overachieves with them and he's got like and he's done it with leads like transforms really average squad like the squad he had in the championship really average players and then players like um calvin phillips and Mateus klitsch he sort of transformed into some of our best players mm. and who seem to be at premier league level but i think there's a question so you sort of Part of you, yeah, I'm sort. I don't want to see him leave Leeds, obviously. But part of you wonders that if he went to Man City or Barcelona or whoever, would he just, with that quality of player, would he just destroy everything? But also, I think there's a bit of a thing of like, because he's so obsessive. Like, <laughs> I've got like some of the stuff you read about him. Like, um, 
since he's been at Leeds, he's demanded that the parking arrangements in the car park be changed because he thought it was too confusing and players couldn't find like places to park easy enough and this would distract them. And he goes around like making sure there's no litter and like the walls are clean properly and stuff. Like he's so obsessive, he needs control over like every aspect of the club. Mm-hmm. So a, a club at like Leeds' size, or the like are maybe willing to let him do it, but like if you went in somewhere like Man City with all their, you know, bureaucracy and various structures in place, there's maybe a feeling that he couldn't handle that. Yeah. Uh, he can be. He can handle being told no. <laughs> Basically, yeah. um, fair enough. Yeah, good points. Good points. Um, so, what about this whole um, Spygate thing? Uh, when he when he was sending spies out, you know, I I have to admit that kind of brushed me by at the time, and I just laughed when I saw it on Sky Sports News, and I didn't really uh, dig into it. But I know that he showed a, a PowerPoint presentation or a spreadsheet during yeah. his his news conference. Talk, talk, talk me through it. Talk me through it. Yeah, it just sums up. He's brilliant, Bielsa. He's like, he's just the perfect manager for Leeds as well. Um, so yeah, so Spygate. Someone before our game against Derby County a couple of years ago in the Championship, uh, Derby called someone the police because they thought someone was spying on spying them, hiding in a hedge with binoculars outside their training ground ground when they were training. It turned out it was a member of the lead staff who Bielsa had sent to spy on them before the game to understand what formation they were going to use. So this got put to Bielsa and he said, oh, yeah, no, I do it. I do it with every team. Um, and then obviously this turned into a big thing and uh, Lampard and the Derby were very righteous about it. Um, about how it wasn't in the English game and things. But then, so then he... Bielsa called a press conference. So what one he said it was him. It wasn't the club. It was him, and he he ended up being issued with a fine by the football league, which he paid himself at his own salary. But also he um, called this press conference, where he then gave an hour-long presentation on PowerPoint to show all how he didn't need to rely on sending people to spy on the other teams to um, be able to like outthink other teams tactically because. He showed his like endless, really detailed research on Derby and every other club. I think there was um, he's supposed to be because he's obsessed with detail and we're trying to analyse it from every possible view. I think when the Leeds owners went to sign him as manager and they went to have like the initial conversation with him about it, they found that he'd already researched like every formation Leeds had played and every formation every other team in the Championship had played that season, the preceding season. So he's just like obsessed with trying to analyse it from every point of view possible of like how the game could go and the possible formations that the team could play and how they could counter those formations and every possible way a goal can be scored. So that's just like showed his control freakery. And so really did the fact that he had to send someone and spy because it's like if you're doing that much analysis, you don't really need to send someone to. That was kind of his point. But his point was basically that he's such a mad control freak. He just can't help it. I see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, at the time, uh, I think uh, my, my main resource was, was, was the radio and talk sport. And I remember yeah. them saying, well, it's not against the rules. <laughs> and I was like, well, mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind, kind of is. Um, but um, then you hear, obviously, what, what he made the players do against Aston Villa when they scored uh, an yeah. unsportsmanlike goal. And you think, well, 
maybe you know what he said in in the press conference that you just talked about was was right he doesn't need to do that he is a good sportsman um and uh yeah spying on other clubs is just one thing he felt he had to do or or, or wanted to do and that was one of his flaws fair enough well interesting i'm glad i'm glad that we've uh, flushed that out because that has straightened my mind out on it um, oh i'm glad <laughs> thank you um right so let's move on from your manager let's talk about um the last transfer window and uh, go the the Leeds squad how how did your transfer window go um in the, in the, from the from the mouth of a Leeds united supporter i overall really well i think it was actually really good because again you I know you said, let's stop talking about your manager. I'm about to mention him again. Go I can't <laughs> really get away from him. Uh, he's so like instrumental to everything Leeds are about at the moment. You were a bit worried with Bielsa. He would like just not sign anyone. because He's clearly very loyal to his squad, which is mm. a good thing. You're a bit worried like, oh God, he's just going to, he's just going to promote all the academy players and he's not going to want to bring in anyone new. And it'll be a bit like, again, a bit like Norwich were last season where it's like, you can only get so far doing that. But actually, I think the owners have managed to like coax them into agreeing to actually spend some money. So I think we've made, when you look at the players we brought in, so like Robin Koch from, you know, he's a German international. Mm-hmm. He had a, he was sort of thrown in the deep end a bit with like having to start against Liverpool when he gave away a penalty in his first two games. But actually, he seems to have got better and gelled in the team as you'd think. He's been the main one. Obviously, Rodrigo, as I said, everyone thought our record signing was 30 million. Everyone thought he was coming in to replace Bamford, but instead he's playing alongside the team of Bamford, which is cool. Um, he's, he's scored, we scored against Man City, so he's got one goal so far, but you know, you sort of feel he's probably getting up to the speed of, because they play so relentlessly hmm. with the levels of fitness and pressing that Bielsa demands. I think it takes a while to get up to that rhythm and just fitness level. And then we've got a couple of other players in like, well, there's a guy called Diego Lorente, who's a Spanish sort of centre-half and yep. defensive midfielder as well, who we bought for like 18 million from, I can't remember, it was like Real Sociedad or someone like that. Um, I don't think he's played yet. I think he's injured. I think he got injured playing for Spain. But it's pretty crazy. We've got like, you know, from a couple of years ago, like we had like Alioski, who is like a Macedonian international. But now we've got like a German international, a Spanish international. Calvin Phillips is getting called up for England. So that's a bit of a mad situation. So overall, I say transfer window really good. The only bad point was um, that we lost. We, we we didn't sell him, but Ben White, who we had on loan from Brighton, mm. um, and was like really integral to the defence last season. Last season, where we didn't actually concede many goals at all. Like the idea that we won every game four three wasn't true. We actually won like one or two nil normally. Mm. Um, so it was a shame we couldn't get him from Brighton. But Koch seems a pretty good replacement. I mean, Ben White's been linked with all sorts of clubs, isn't he? Even, yeah. even Liverpool now. Van Dijk's mm. injured for pretty much the whole season, um, and Brighton probably will get upwards 40 maybe even 50 million for him in January if um if the right buyer comes in and if he continues doing quite well because Brighton you know although they they have uh haven't had results go their way they have put on good displays and I think it's only a matter of time for for them to actually turn them into wins but yeah um 
and also you signed that winger on deadline day, didn't you? Um, Rafina. Rafina. Yep. Yep. I always, uh, I said this on, I think my first podcast, I sign him usually on FIFA and in terms yeah. years, he's usually rated about 86 and you can sell him for 80 odd millions of Real Madrid. So hopefully that happens for you guys. Um, I think it, well, if it's happening for you on FIFA, it's guaranteed. Oh, to be fair, we probably bought him because Bielsa's like played through FIFA's campaign 10,000 times and rated the three players, which sort of improved most over that time. And he was one of them. To be fair, I actually think maybe there's some sort of conspiracy with um, FIFA um, and, and the game. Because I, th- I, th- I swear damn to you, as a, Tottenham, as a Tottenham fan, over the last five, six years when FIFA has come out and I've bought it, I've bought the likes of Tangi and Dumbele, I've bought the likes of Vinicius, uh, Regulon and all these other ones. And then the transfer window opens and all of a sudden Spurs are actually going to sign the players that I have been signing on FIFA. So either it's my own individual FIFA that is being uh, hacked into and all the data is going away, or maybe they're doing it to everyone who plays FIFA and the players that get signed the most are the ones that are most attractive. But that's maybe a conversation for another podcast. I'm going yeah. off topic. But there you go. <laughs> I think you're the super sub. I was a super <laughs> scout even. Like, the super, super scout. scout. Yeah. The FIFA conspiracy. There's a podcast <laughs> in, the, in the future, which unfortunately that title does kind of open up a load of different avenues actually. So yeah. um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So overall, um, your transfer window was very good. And I agree from the outside looking in, uh, especially at Rodrigo. I was really, really impressed when I saw that you guys mm. had signed him. And, and as you say, Spanish international, German international, England internationals now as well. Uh, one England international who you've already mentioned um, and has had a great start to the season, but I think he's actually injured now uh calvin yeah. phillips um so yeah he did really well for you um last season and, and at and the start of this one and done some really good work for england but my question to you is do you think you can keep hold of him because he's english um he's now an international and i've already seen online uh whether they're just rumors or not three or four clubs around the top six seven already sniffing around him so do you think you can mm. keep him and if so why why would he stay at leeds don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, whether we can keep him, no idea. I mean, English players, as you say, attract a lot of attention, but then also seem to have particularly massively inflated like uh, wage bills, don't they? Like, you know, 80 million for Maguire, whatever. So, which was ridiculous. Um, yeah. So maybe you could, like, it depends on how much other clubs want him. I think he's been pretty, he's one of maybe even the most important player to the way Leeds play um because he's sort of that midfield anchor and if, if there's one reason why he would stay I think it's because he is like Leeds born and bred he's a proper fan he came up through the academy um and he'd already been in the squad for a good few years before Bielsa arrived and he was a bit Leeds a pretty good academy and they, they churn out quite a lot of like talented young midfielders who often make a bit of an impact when they first arrive and then either fade or end up being sold off to like Norwich or whoever, you know, West Ham or someone, and then never really make any sort of impact there. And it looked like, I think Calvin Phillips, it sort of seemed like oh, he's probably hit his level and that's it. But he is like probably the number one player. Bielsa sort of has transformed and really evolved his game into a sort of almost Sergio Busquets-esque kind of this sort of midfield anchor sort of setting up moves with his passing kind of role and he can sort of go back and play in like back three as well so he's also very sort of versatile so yeah probably a lot of clubs would be looking at him 
as potential one. It, it probably would come. It probably come down to how we do this season and like his level of loyalty, slash, like exactly how much the club think they could get for him and whether it'd be worth cashing in for him if they could get like 80 million or, or something. Well, that, I suppose that's the next one. Um, fast forward 60, 70 days when the transfer window reopens. Mm-hmm. Spurs come in and offer you 45 million. Would you take it? No, I don't no. think so. You reckon Unless... he would be up with a, a 60, 70 million? Um, or is it just a case so... of timing? I think it's, he's so important to the way Leeds play that um, like it wouldn't be worth the risk that he'll make the difference to whether we stay up or not to mm-hmm. take the money. The, the only possible thing could be is like, obviously, he's in, I don't think it's a bad injury. I don't think it's, I think they may be talking about five or six weeks actually. So it's not, it's not the whole season, but it is in a few weeks. So I think Pascal Stuck, I think that's how you pronounce his name. It's like this young academy player. I think he's Dutch who who's played a bit at centre half, but can also play like Phillips in that defensive mid, midfield role. And I say, I think Lorente can as well, though he's injured as well. So I guess while Phillips was injured, if it really looked like one of those could really fill his his role, and then maybe like by selling Phillips, we could finance a move for like Rodrigo De Paul because we're just looking to buy all the Rodrigos in football or someone like that. Saves money on shirt printing, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, possibly then, but I don't at the moment. I can't really see it. I think he's too important. I see, I see. Well, I, it kind of links to a question my dad wanted me to ask you, you know, <gasps> what, what Leeds Starler is next to join Spurs? Because obviously we took Aaron Lennon from you. Uh, we took, um, yeah. I think Danny Rose as well came from you, Danny correct Rose, me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Jack Clark being the latest one who made his uh, yeah. Europe, Europa League debut last night for us. Had one shot and uh, completely blazed it over the bar. But hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure that be sounds fine. about right. Um, he had half a good season at Leeds and then got injured and then we sold him. Yeah, we, we gave him back, didn't we? <laughs> we? Yeah, him back and he didn't play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, Bielsa, you shry, shry, <laughs> shrewd devil. Um, okay, cool. Um, I suppose last question for you then, Ed, while we wrap up this podcast. Where do you think Leeds are going to finish realistically? Oh, it's difficult. I change my mind game by game. Like, I'll take anything 17th for up. But like I think they could conceivably finish anywhere between like eighth and seventeenth. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, um, yeah. So I like it. I think the big question is. So I say it's been reassuring that after those couple of four threes, which are really good fun, but you were like, we can't. Like they're going to keep conceding that many goals. That's madness. That they've really shored up the defence. E- even the one 0 loss to Wolves, and you go, that's not that bad. Again, maybe after this Villa game, we'll see. Um, it's another seven-two. But um, it comes back, it does come back to the whole thing about Bielsa. It's like his squads are famous for getting burnout because mm. um, he plays them because he won't stop playing them at that mad intensity and he trains them so hard. Um, so it's about, and that's what happened to Leeds in their first season under Bielsa. And they sort of looked like they were in an automatic promotion and then we ended up like crashing and burning late on. But last season it didn't happen. But the question is, did it only happen because there was like a three month pause in football that's a very good point yeah 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 <laughs> and it don't know maybe so maybe not so it's about how it was a manager's that but i guess the fact that we have actually made signings so the squad isn't like if the key players don't get injured it isn't just the academy products there are actually some what look like pretty good footballers who can come in that will hopefully make the difference 
<laughs> so yeah, it's hard to say. If I had to guess, if I, you're going to put me on the spot, and make me say what I think the, they'll finish, you're going to do it. I think I'm going to say fifteenth. I'm going to say I'm not. 15th. I'm not going to be too be tempting to say eighth or ninth, but yeah, fifteenth. I, I reckon. I, I'm going to okay. be a tiny bit more generous. I would say Leeds will get twelfth. Um, oh yeah. You know, top end of the bottom oh, half of the table. Um, I think that's good for a first season back yeah. in the Premier League and like you say with all the things you're going to factor in like burnout and stuff mm. I, I do actually have one more question for you though so I lied earlier um, because I want you to play the game that I got oh, George yeah. to play on, on the last podcast um, which is sign, sign, sell and loan so imagine it's um, the start of a summer transfer oh, yeah. window I've given you £100 million to spend um, tell me who are going to use that money to buy who in the yeah. current lead squad will you sell and are there any young starlets or old people in your club that you want to send out on loan because you can't find a place for them in your current squad? I can hear the clocks. Yeah. Brain. <laughs> well, what a question. So I don't know anything about this because I didn't listen that far through Georgia. Oh, I got my heart. Say, my I heart. Um, <laughs> oh, good million. So obviously I'd sign, sorry. Um, I find Messi because obviously he'll be going on a free from Barcelona and Bielsa and him. Bielsa managed Argentina, maybe before Messi was in the squad actually, but either way, he'll use that connection obviously. Um, and then they'll both go to West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, who, who do I think we could realistically get who would improve the squad? It's hard to say. I mean, there seems to be an endless appetite for like attacking midfielders. Maybe if Rodrigo Di Paul was available, like as we've been so linked with him, that would be cool to bring him, him in. Um, if we could get Ben White back from Brighton for like 50 million or something, maybe we don't need him now. But I think he, he seemed like a Leeds player and got real potential. Um, yeah, so uh, Rodrigo, Del Paul and, and Ben White, two very conservative signings. I'm, I'm really impressed <laughs> in invest a whole 100 million on one Harry Maguire and, um, well, 20 million. Who can you get for 20 million? Well, Rodrigo, I imagine. Was he 20 yeah. million? Yeah. So, um there you go. Okay. And so who would you sell? Uh, who would, who do you want out of the club or who do you think needs to move on? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, most of the core squad I'm pretty happy with, but who I'd sell, I'd sell Kiko Casilla in, who's our backup keeper. Um, because he's not very good and he's also quite racist. So <laughs> between, between those two things. So he got done last season for racially abusing a player, I think a Charlton player. Um, which he almost definitely did do because I won't I won't go into more. But he basically said, "Oh, we he admitted to using the word in question." Mm-hmm. But said, "Oh, we didn't know what it meant," which seems unlikely. <laughs> okay. um, but it was actually did the club a favour because it then meant Meslier, who's this young French keeper we've got, who we had on loan from like a league de club. Um, he came in and actually has been really fantastic, and he's been a real like find. Who we, and now he's first choice, so we don't really need Casilla. I guess he's an all right backup. Um, but then it's a bit like so he always made he always made mistakes. Stupidly, he came he was he came from Real Madrid, or he was a free transfer from Real Madrid. Um, so you'd think he'd be pretty good quality, but he he, he wasn't that great. So I wouldn't mind seeing the back of him again, someone new in as a reserve keeper. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Um, and any youngsters you know of that you would loan out or Old, old oh, players who's not going to get time. Yeah, so there's a few. There's a few sort of quite a lot of good youngsters coming through. So, but 
they, yeah, say Bielsa tends to give them time. So you've got players like Struik, you've got uh, Davis, Leaf Davis, another young defender we've got. Um, you've got someone like Jamie Shackleton. He sort of seems to play a bit back a bit midfield a bit everywhere but these players they'll get else gives them more time like I say he gives them puts them ahead of the like 20 million signed spanish international we when we brought in so it's hard to know who which of them but probably a few of them could get some better game time like shackleton you also you wonder if like tyler roberts i think he's been decent actually he's got in the squad um, and he's been in the squad for a few years, but maybe if he, if his game time lessens as other players get brought in, he could he could see him going back on loan to the championship to mm-hmm. someone. But there's no one actively, I say, apart from Castellas, there's no one really actively want to get rid of. It's pretty it's pretty tight sort of strong squad I think at the moment. Maybe Bamford, if depending on how we see how it is at the end of the season. If he keeps it up, absolutely not. But we'll see. He can go back to the promised land that is the championship where he can score. Like yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, before we wrap up this podcast, for everyone listening at home, I do want to make you aware, if by some miracle you're not, that Marcus Rashford has been doing some absolutely amazing work um, over the last, only by the last 48 hours, um, campaigning to get um, meals for school children during the summer holidays. It was rejected um, in Parliament, and um, because of him, because of all the work he's been doing loads of restaurants and loads of um well food places that don't count as restaurants i suppose are getting behind him um and helping to support those kids who are hungry so not that he will be listening but marcus if you do come across this podcast at some point in the future for what you've done in the last 24 hours from my point of view kudos to you ed i'm sure you probably feel um, Indeed, same yeah. way so thank you very much marcus and please anyone who um, doesn't know about it go and have a look it'll really really uh, inspire you and it's great to see especially during this year um human beings really writing wrongs and and, and standing up for certain things mm. um right um so guys that was the um a little bit of a deep dive into Leeds United from the mouth of a Leeds United supporter. My thanks to His Royal Highness Ed for joining me. I hope to have you on the podcast again in the future, mate. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, but if you do want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me directly at LJPeachy and you can follow the podcast at Have a Crack Pod. But for now, my thanks to you. My thanks once again to Ed. I hope you enjoy the football tonight, mate. Um, and we will see you next time. Say goodbye, Ed. Goodbye. Cheers, mate.